Mac Power Users, Episode 434, PDF Workflows. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hello, David. Hey, Katie. How are you today? I'm well. Great. I, you know, we have been thinking about PDFs for a long time. They are such an important part of my workflow, of your workflows, and we realized it had been a really long time since we talked about PDFs. Yeah, we wanted to talk about not only what the, the best apps are out there for PDFs, but we want to talk about how we're using PDFs and some of the particular workflows we have. Um, as lawyers, we spend a lot of time with documents, and as as lawyer nerds, we spend a lot of times with PDFs. And I thought, let's share some of that uh, knowledge with the um, with the audience. So we're going to do that today. Yes, but first, we have an announcement. There are always a few preliminary announcements, it seems. You are going to be in London having a bunch of fun, hopefully with Mac Power users listeners, without me. I'm sorry. Well, you could come if you want. I'll, I'll make room for you. I mean, you could even uh, crash in our room if you want. We don't care. Okay. Um, the, uh, but uh, I'm going to be over there in early July. So we decided on July 9th, we're going to do a very informal Mac Power Users meetup. Hey, hey, you know, that's the day after my birthday. So maybe I can come to London for my birthday. Why not? Okay. I'm serious. We'll think about it. That would be great. Katie Floyd's going to make a surprise appearance. <laughs> it's going to be great. You heard it here first. But it's July 9th. Um, it, there's a restaurant in central London called Weatherspoons. It's not a real fancy place, but the nice thing is the way it's set up, people can just walk around. You don't get stuck wherever they seat you. So we're going to just all kind of gather there and we can walk around and hang out with each other. Rose is coming over from Austria. Katie's coming over from Florida. See how I did no, that? I see what you did. I, I, I may, that. Katie may or may not come over. It, it's, uh, it's right next to the, um, the theater with the uh the witch what's that musical about the witch you know wicked uh, the wicked it's right next to the wicked theater i'll get you the address i'll put a post up and etc it's a month away but i just wanted to let people know we're going to do it in the evening last time we did it in the afternoon which is a lot harder for folks so this will be monday evening july 9th in uh, central london if you're around come on in it's not going to be super fancy but i think we're going to have a good time sounds like fun i uh I look forward to hearing about it, and who knows? Maybe I'll pop in. Probably not. I, I, I think our room has, like, a couch in it. So, literally, you could just crash with us. We wouldn't care. Daisy and I are, when I say us, my wife is going with me to London, so. That, that is that's like the definition of the, the third wheel there. 25 years. 25 years married. Oh, crash on your, your, honey, your 25th wedding anniversary trip. Yeah. Okay. Ah, we're going to be there for a week. We've been married 25 years. It's okay. It's fine. One night you can have the couch. Great. Got uh, it. Um, anyway, uh, so let's talk about PDFs. The um, I, we When we talked about PDFs the first time on the show, we had this whole thing about TIFF and other formats because, you know, when we first started making Power Users, it wasn't really clear what was going to become the digital document format. And there were competing formats available. Uh, but Adobe came out with the PDF portable document format, and they did something smart. They kind of opened up the format so other people can write apps for it. And between that and Adobe's position in the market, PDF has really just become the format. I, one of the ways I can tell that is because every court I ever deal with now wants PDFs. Mm -hmm. It's become a thing. Yeah, you know, once we get to the point that the public entities are asking for PDFs, you know, that the formats arrived. And even like when I wrote the paperless book, I recommended PDFs back then. And I, I just think at this point, if you're going to get a digital document, the format that I think has the longest shelf life at this point is PDF. 
Yeah, we're pretty sure that we're going to be able to open a PDF 10 years from now, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and th so the goal of the PDF format is to create a digital document. Um, and, you know, we have paper documents we've had, you know, forever, basically, where we can have a piece of paper that we can write on, we can annotate, we can do things with, we can stick it in a folder. Uh, well, PDF is supposed to be the digital equivalent of that. And it's a great way to get paper out of your life. We're going to talk later in the show about how to, to create PDFs, but the, um, but just in general, I think we'd agree right now. That is the format to use. It's the one Katie and I are using. Uh, we hear from listeners all the time that are in like education and higher education. They're doing tons of research using PDF. And um, it's just, it's the format to go with. So that's the starting point. Right. We, people, there used to be this conversation about, is it going to be PIT to TIFF? Is it going to be JPEG? What are we going to do? And, and you, uh, that debate seems to be largely resolved. It's over. It's, it's PDF now. And I think Apple really helped move this conversation along because when OS 10 came out a long time, you know, we've now had OS 10 longer than we've had OS 9. Or the, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not classic o Mac. Classic Mac yeah, OS. Yeah. We didn't have OS 9 that long, but yeah, it's hard to believe that. But Apple baked in support for PDFs directly into OS 10. They made it very easy to manipulate, to work with, to view, and to create PDFs. I think that Apple had a, a lot to do with uh, the widespread acceptance of PDFs. Yeah, well, it's so nice with that in the you know, print dialogue, and we'll talk about this more later, but you can turn anything into a PDF. Even to this day when I'm on my Mac and I'm like getting a form or a web form or something and I want to get a receipt of it, using that print to PDF, and I have a little trick I'll share with you about that. Uh, it's great because it's funny that all these websites and apps still have an option to print a receipt when all we're going to do is just make it a PDF anyway. And on a Mac OS, you can do that so easily. Um, so how is it evolving? Um, you know, more people are familiar with it. Um, I think also more people know how to edit PDFs and how to annotate them now. So it, it's becoming more common for people to be comfortable working with the PDF format. Um, the, um, but not all PDFs are created equal. You know, one of the big challenges I think with PDFs is, is file size. You know, uh, some apps create massively large PDF files and some create small ones and you have quality differences between them as a result. And that's something that not everybody is always aware is going to happen. Yeah. All PDFs are not necessarily created equal. And when you get a PDF and it looks pretty bad, you kind of go, what, what happened here? I thought this was a PDF that was going to be fine. So it's, there, there are things to know about these. Yeah, I, I tried a case against a, a lawyer that wasn't very tech savvy a few years ago. And he, um, he had these good looking images he was putting in his presentation. But then they became, a bunch of them became exhibits. And the PDF compression algorithm his, his app was using was just like squashing the heck out of the app, the file. So, the exhibits that were put into evidence for the jury to look at were these terrible pictures. I mean, they just, it was, it was almost like a bitmap image where he had a color picture in the presentation and he submitted those to the jury room. And I was just thinking to myself, he did himself a huge disservice because, you know, I mean, you want the best possible picture to go into evidence and for the jurors to look at. And it was all just a question of him not understanding how to export his PDF and print it out uh, with the highest quality. That's something we want you to know by the end of the show today. What about the difference between color and black and white? 
Well, I think you need to know what is it that you're creating in PDFs. By and large, most of the documents that we're creating in PDFs are just plain text documents. So most of them are just going to be black and white, and that's fine. But when you start recreating um, color documents or documents for print or those types of things, then it's important to have color in your PDF documents. And you have to be careful about uh, how you're converting documents. For example, especially when you're scanning a document in or you're converting a document to PDF, you you got to be aware of how it's going to you know transfer over and how that's going to look. But I think if you can have a document, if it's just a black and white document, you know, save the extra pickles, pixels and, and save the extra space. There's there's no reason to have a document that doesn't need to be in color, be color. I, I use PDFs all the time. I feel like um, it, it's just so important to all the businesses that I do. You know, the, the paperless filing system that I wrote about in the paperless uh, field guide is all PDF based. Um, I feel like in the last several years, I've become very good at making rich PDFs because I use them so often in the law practice. You know, I go into um, to meetings with judges and, you know, things where I'm trying to convince people things on behalf of my client. And everybody wants PDF documents now. It's become such a standard format. And over the years, I've got very good at making PDFs that have, for instance, hyperlinks in them. So if I write about something on behalf of a client on page one and I say, well, then we have an exhibit that explains it. I have put a hyperlink in the PDF. You can do it. So make it kind of like a living document, just like I do with the books I make. I try to make the stuff I make on the legal side very interactive and lots of nice pictures and images in it. And then you send that PDF to the judge or the mediator, whoever you're working with, and you always come off looking better than the other side just because you have the ability to use these tools. I think this doesn't just apply to lawyers, whether you're in sales or a student or whatever, why don't you give your teacher or your prospective customer the best possible look? And the the problem I think a lot of people have is they've they've accepted PDFs are a digital copy of something that arrives in the mail. They haven't thought enough about creating really impressive looking PDFs because when you started as a digital media, uh, you can go so much further down that rabbit hole. There are limits, though. I like the um, some of my books I release as PDFs in addition to iBooks Author because some people live in countries that don't have iBooks Author, and I've tried to embed like all of the video in a PDF file, and it just never works. I mean, it sometimes you can get a working version of it, but then you send it out into the wild, and any person opens it up on their Mac or whatever, and it crashes because it's got two gigabytes of video attached, and it just can't handle it. So. Uh, it's not unlimited, but there's a lot you can do with it. How, do you find that once you reach, is that a size limitation? Is it when you're reaching a certain size that PDFs tend to become problematic? Or are you finding that it's more of a complexity or is it a little of both? I think it's it's all of the above. And, and video, it's not good. at. I mean, pictures, it's great at video. It just causes all sorts of trouble. So, yeah, it, I, I think it's all of the above. And then are you familiar at all with this PDF A format? It's a it's a newer format um, that is that has come out for for PDFs. And basically what it is, is it's a standardized format uh, for kind of simplifying PDFs. It's, it's kind of a PDF. It kind of stands for PDF archiving format. It's it's for PDFs that are designed to be used for long term archiving. It, it originally came out back in 2005, but I think it's only now developed long-term use. I know this is actually what our court system is is recommending. 
Um, but it's PDFs that have gotten a way of rid of a lot of those extra features. For example, you can't have audio or video in a PDFA. You can't have JavaScript or anything that executes in a PDFA. All the fonts have to be embedded. You can't have anything that is encrypted um, in PDFA. And I, I think they're all um, they're everything is flattened in a PDFA. It, it much more simplifies the format for archival use. Yeah. It- as I understand it, the A is there for the word archive because it's supposed to be like the long-term storage format. And um, I, I don't know if this started out with museums, but I mean, it. I know it's kind of in that vein of making historical um, quality documents where things aren't going to change on the document and we want, in essence, a digital version of an archival document. Uh, I don't use it. I mean, because I want to have all the tools available. And uh, hopefully courts and judges don't insist on it going forward because honestly I am sticking bells and whistles in my documents. I want, I want it to have, you know, the firework show inside of it. So uh, I don't work with it very often, but I think if you were going to do a lot of archival of, uh, of documents, that's something you would want to be spending some time with. Well, I think it, I think it goes back to knowing your audience and knowing what you need to do with, with your PDF. And if you don't need the bells and whistles, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having with having photos and having links in a PDFA. I, I think you, you also just want to make sure that your PDF is readable by the broadest audience, because if you get too fancy, you're going to you're going to run into problems with compatibility and people not being able to, to read your stuff. Agreed. All right. Let's talk a little bit about um, how we're using PDFs successfully. And I will say that you and I, again, we're not going to talk too much about the legal stuff, but that's where you and I have a lot of experience with this. But I think this applies to pretty much anyone who, you know, runs their own business or has their own, you know, really, we all kind of run our own personal lives with this. You and I have been extremely successful. And David, you literally wrote the book on this, on converting a lot of the paper in our lives to PDFs, whether that either be digitizing the paper that we have or just not having the paper come into our lives and instead requesting uh, things come to us in PDF and then converting that into a filing system. And I will tell you, I went paperless several years ago. I think you did as well. And it has been wonderful. It has simplified my life in so many ways. And that would not be possible without PDFs. Yeah. So, you know, the, the first problem of dealing with PDFs is getting your information into the PDF format. And there's, you know, different ways. We're going to talk about digital documents later, but, you know, what about the stuff that comes in your mailbox or is handed to you when you go to back to school night or uh, is thrown on your desk at work? I mean, uh, we're constantly given, you know, dead tree um, paper documents that we probably want to incorporate into our digital workflow. And in that case, there is uh, there's a couple of ways to do it. Um, the first is uh, just get yourself a document scanner. Uh, Fujitsu has been a sponsor of the show forever. And uh, but, you know, I, I started buying their scanners long before they sponsored us. And uh, I think they do a really good job of making a Mac solution with Mac software. And, you know, if you've listened to any our show for any length of time, you've heard the ad spots about Fujitsu. They they make what, what is a document scanner, but they're not the only person out there. If that's not for you. Um, there are other companies making document scanners. I didn't go out and buy a bunch of them to prep for the show because I can't afford that, but the, um, but they're out there. And, but I do think you want to get like for the small business slash home use. If you've got a lot of paper coming in, a document scanner makes a huge difference. Um, and just so people understand what a document scanner is compared, uh, I will contrast this with, for example, 
a document scanner is a scanner where you, where you stick a bunch of paper in it and the paper goes through where you can stick a stack of paper in at a time. I would contrast this with something that you're accustomed to seeing on perhaps a multifunction device, like one of those printer scanner fax combination things that you can pick up at Best Buy or, or um, any of the office supply stores where you can stick a few sheets of paper in or maybe scan a single page at a time on the, the glass uh, sheet, uh, you know, the glass top of your, of your multifunction copier where those, those devices are historically slow. Maybe you can do two or three pages at a time. Maybe you can do one page at a time. Whereas document scanners are scan are designed to be very fast. Some usually they scan multiple pages at a time. Usually they scan multiple sides at a time, you know, compared to the other solutions that are maybe okay for one or two pages, but not to take a stack of documents and digitize them. Yeah, and just to give an example, I had um for legal continuing education, there's a book I bought that is all about some corporate stuff I do all the time. And I wanted to read the book. I wanted to, but I wanted to have a ref, have it as a reference book as well. And it was actually sent to me in a binder. You know, sometimes they they put these books in three ring binders. So I had this book. It's a thousand pages. Um, so I ran it through my uh, scan stamp, and I was working in the morning, and I would just put piles of pages in there because I think it runs something about fifty pages at a time. So once it would run, and then I've got a feature in my my scanner that allows me to combine multiple scans into one document. But in about the course of an hour with background work, I mean, it wasn't that I was just doing that. I was also like processing email at the same time. Uh, I scanned a thousand pages into my computer, into a single PDF. I had OCR so I could search it and then I could put it on my iPad. That's the kind of stuff you use a document scanner for. It just just grinds through that stuff like nobody's business. If you've got a shelf full of cookbooks and you want to make them digital, a document scanner is going to solve that problem for you. Um, but there's other ways to scan documents in as well. Um, uh, commercial copiers will do it. Like you know, a lot of people have businesses that have a, a copier that can also scan directly to PDF. And a lot of times those are network aware, which is nice. Yeah. And if you have no other way, then there's some multifunction printers that that is an option. It's probably a slow option, but it's probably better than than nothing. I, well, it depends. I mean, once again, there are commercial copiers that are very good at this, that you can like a scan snap, drop a stack of documents and it'll go through them. Uh, one thing you should look for in a document scanner, if you're going to get one, is make sure that it scans both sides, you know, double sided. That's important because you want to get both sides of the pages. Um, but the, um, and then you can also use scanning software, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But, but if you have a, a regular stream of documents coming into your life, I, I think a document scanner is a really good investment. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Eero. With Eero, you'll never have to worry about Wi-Fi that isn't fast enough to stream your movies or download files because Eero has created the Wi-Fi setup of your dreams. It is fast, reliable connection throughout your entire house. And the second generation Eero includes a third generation, a third five gigahertz radio, making it twice as fast as before. So whatever your Wi-Fi needs are, Eero will blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. The Eero will sit on any flat surface. Just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter, and you're ready to connect your Eero either via Ethernet or wirelessly. And the included thread radio means you can connect lower power devices like locks, doorbells, and more. And they've also included the tiny Eero Beacon. All you have to do is plug it into your wall and it will expand coverage to any room. 
You don't have to move to a different part of the house to get the internet speed you want. With Eero, your Wi-Fi is everywhere. And the Eero Beacon even includes a built-in LED nightlight with ambient light sensor. The Eero app lets you easily control your network from your phone, and it is no hassle to create and share a guest network, too. Plus, their customer support is phenomenal. I've called them before. You can get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds. I have tried everything to work out the Wi-Fi situation at my house. I've had multiple routers. I've had extenders. I've wired my house. I've had Ethernet over power line. And let me tell you, Eero is the product that just works. So you can get your own Eero system and stop hassling with everything else today, including the second generation Eero and two beacons for just $3.99. That's everything you need to get started. And you don't have to wait to get a hold of your dream Wi-Fi setup because listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada when you head over to Eero.com and use the promo code MPU. Again, that's Eero.com with the promo code MPU for free overnight shipping. Thank you to Eero for their support of the show. So in addition to uh, scanning from paper, you can also, or using a digital document scanner, you can also scan using your iPhone, which is something that's kind of new. Uh, when I was growing up, I used to watch all those spy movies and read those John Le Carré books where they always had the, the camera, you know, the, the spy would have the camera. So when he's in, you know, the the secret headquarters of the other government, he would be taking pictures where they had the one with the string on it. That was the cool one, you know, because it had a focal length. It had to have the string, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now you've got that in your pocket with your phone. And there's a bunch of apps that do this. I think there's really two or three actually of note. The first one is ScanBot. That's the one I use most often. So it's a, it's an app. You can buy it. I, I think I paid $5 for it. I mean, I bought it so long ago. I don't know what I paid for it, honestly. But they've done a very good job. And the, the two that are always in competition in my mind are ScanBot and Scanner Pro. That's the one I use, yeah. Yeah, and so they're always like there's this, there's an arms race between those two apps where they whatever feature one has, the other one gets and you know, they're always coming out with new ways to make it easier. But the idea behind these apps is you put a document on a table in front of you, you open up the app, and it takes a picture of the document. Both of these apps do an excellent job of edge detection. So it just looks at the document, it knows where the edges are usually, and it snaps a picture. If it's two sides, you can flip it over. If it's two or three pages, you can take pictures of it. And then once you do that, then it has additional tools. Both of these tools have the ability to do optical character recognition on the document, uh, basic annotation, um, basic formatting. Like you can say, I want to turn this into a black and white document. I had a situation recently where I was, um, uh, my daughter called me from school. She, she does, she sings opera and she forgot her music and she was getting ready to go into work with the pianist. So, uh, and I was, uh, downstairs. So I, I she left the music downstairs. I just pulled out my phone, took pictures with ScanBot, made it black and white. So it was really high contrast and, and it sent the email right from the app. So I could have gone upstairs and, and used my scan snap, but instead I just used this cause it was just a couple pages and it worked fine. The, the nice thing about this is it's always in your pocket, you know? So if you go somewhere, you know, you don't necessarily have your document scanner with you. It works great. It's not going to do a thousand pages without making you crazy, but for, you know, 10 pages or less, I think it's just fine. Um, one of the things I like, I'm going to have Katie talk about scanner pro, but one of the reasons I really like ScanBot is 
they've really made it easy to automate the the saving process. I save them to my action folder in iCloud, and they've automated that. And they make it really easy to name the document. Um, in ScanBot, they have this token, this idea of tokens, where you can create custom tokens like some of the keywords I use for Hazel triggers, like uh, Hazel for me, if it sees a document that has the name Sparks Law Expense, then it does things with it, like sends a copy to the CPA and does other things. So if that's in the name, it's there. Well, I've created a custom token in ScanBot. So anything I scan, I can just tap the token and it adds that to the name. But it can also, it has a date token that's always, you know, uses the current date. It, it it looks where I'm at. Like if I'm at a restaurant, it probably knows that. And so it creates a token for the name of the restaurant I'm at. So it just makes the process of naming and saving the file once I'm done ridiculously easy. And then it allows my other automation processes to kick in. So it's a great app for doing that stuff. And, uh, and just a delight to use. It's always updated and they're always making it better. What about Scanner Pro? So I use Scanner Pro. I've used it for a long time. I, I like it for many of the reasons that, that you like ScanBot, and I think it has a lot of the, the same features. So first and foremost, it makes it very easy to get very good scan. Um, you just aim it at the document. You can have multi-page document. It very quickly, very easily scans whatever you want to scan very well. It will automatically size. I think those are, I think a lot of these apps have basically got that down. It will, it will scan the documents. It will take good scans. It will auto size them. And you can you know, scan in color. You can scan in black and white. Um, Scanner Pro was also one of the first apps to add, uh, not the first probably, but one of the early apps to add OCR support, which as we'll talk about later is, is so important to get the OCR support down because once you can recognize the characters in a document, then when you're back on your Mac, you can use a tool like Hazel to do all kinds of you know fun things with the document. But what keeps me coming back to Scanner Pro is I think something similar to, to what you, you like about ScanBot is Scanner Pro has workflows built in. Um, it has the ability to, and, and it looks a lot like uh, a very basic workflow app interface, but it has the ability to create custom workflows for things that you do often. So you can set up a default naming convention, which I have just set up as the date because all of my PDFs, we'll talk about this a little later, start with the date. And then you can do certain things depending on what type of document it is. So two of my most frequent things I do is I generate expense reports for work and I save expense receipts. So if I'm scanning a receipt or scanning a, a report for work, I will take a picture of it and I have two workflows created within the, the workflow of, of Scanner Pro that will save that document with the appropriate name that will upload it to the proper cloud service in the proper um, folder. So I take the and then it will delete the document so it doesn't stay cluttering up, uh, you know, Scanner Pro using my, my iCloud storage space. So it takes the picture, it names it, it uploads it. And then it gets rid of it and it's it's all done. And so it's it's one step process. I tap, I press the the workflow button that I've I've saved associated with it, and I know that that document is now saved, archived, it's gone off to where it needs to go. Um, and that's a folder and you know shared cloud storage that I have access to and that if need to be, you know, this the you know accountants can can have access to it and if we ever need it, do what she needs to with it. 
Yeah, I think you really can't go wrong with either of those apps. Uh, so my advice, if you're looking at them, is just go in the app store and look at the descriptions and the screenshots, and they even may have videos on them. Um, actually, if you if you got the iPhone Field Guide, here's a side benefit. I think I, I recorded screencasts in both of those apps because they're both so powerful. So, uh, but either way, take a look at them. One of them is going to be fine for you. And if you don't want to spend money on this problem, uh, Apple Notes is actually a decent solution uh, with the most recent version of iOS. Apple added some of the AR functionality to Apple Notes. And what Apple Notes can do very good is take a picture of a document at any angle. I think it does this better than either ScanBot or Scanner Pro. Uh, you just like if you've got the document at an angle on the page and you just point Apple Notes at it and press the document scanning button, it's going to uh, appropriately size it and fix whatever differences there are. You know, generally with ScanBot and Scanner Pro, you want to have the camera directly over the top of the page and have things kind of square to begin with. With Apple Notes, it uses all that AR stuff to resize it and make it look really good. However, that's kind of where Apple Notes ends being better. <laughs> After that, it doesn't give you the amount of functionality. It doesn't do OCR. Um, it doesn't have auto naming and auto filing tokens or workflows. So um, it's more work. But if you want to just save documents to an Apple note, uh, try that. You know, it's already on your phone. It doesn't cost you anything. And it does take a nice picture. I mean, that's the bottom line of all this stuff is we just want a nice picture. And once you have the picture, you can get it to the sharing menu if you don't mind typing in the name or, you know, going to your cloud storage or email or whatever you want to do with the document. Have you tried that, Katie? Yeah, I've, I've I've done it before. I I like my workflow. I've got everything I need set up. So I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, it was interesting to me when I tried it the first time because I'm like, wow, it really does a good job of taking a picture at any angle. I'm like, this may be you know a replacement for ScanBot or Scanner Pro. And then like almost immediately, I realized, oh no, this is not a replacement. <laughs> this is not going to do. Another way to uh, deal with digital documents is just to never get them in paper to begin with. Honestly, I think that's the best policy. So I wanted to talk for this for through this for for just a minute. I get very little paper that that comes to my house immediately when I get something else that's generating a statement. I sign up for paperless billing. You can do this on almost everybody's website. I do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, why generate the paper if we don't have to? You know, save them a step, save me a step, save the trees, save the post office. Um, number two, it keeps me from having more mail and more clutter coming to my house to begin with. So we just get rid of that clutter and that mail. Um, number three, I, I think it it potentially is, is privacy helping because it, you know, you don't have to worry about stuff disappearing out of your mailbox or something getting misdirected or not getting where it's supposed to go. Uh, it does, you know, perhaps create an issue that you are now going to have to go to various websites once a month and, and download your billing statements. I personally make a point to go download my billing statements. I know many providers will keep them on their website for you for a certain period of time. I know that there are third-party services that will take your login credentials and go to various websites and download your documents. I have not been a great fan of those. Just kind of the whole idea of that makes me a little nervous. I, yeah, I, It's not that big of a deal. Usually on Saturdays, what I do is when I get those statements throughout the week that, hey, your statement is ready, I'll put them in my same Saturday folder and they'll come back in my mailbox on Saturday. And usually on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings, I'll go through and I'll download all those statements. And then uh, we can talk a little bit about this later. But I, then I just, once I get a statement, I create a Hazel rule to file it appropriately and that's done. But 
I've got as many things as I can set up to come to me electronically. I get very little mail. That's quite lovely. Well, it is nice when you go to the mailbox most days and you go straight to the recycle bin from the mailbox. <laughs> I mean, that's or when you go to the mailbox most days and there's nothing there. Oh, I don't know about I don't know how that worked for you, but for me, I'm always getting junk mailers. I guess maybe because there's four of us here and we probably signed up for various things over the years, but almost all of it goes straight. To, I, I literally walk by the recycle bin on the way back to the house. I do that too. I do, but uh, freeze your credit and you'll get a lot less of this. But the thing I'd like to add to that is not just the stuff that comes in your mailbox. So, you know, things come in your mailbox, say, is this something I can get digitally and, and what's involved with, with turning that into it? But also, you know, your work life and your school life and your just daily life, uh, take a look at that as well. If someone is routinely dropping a 30-page report on your desk every Monday, uh, you could take a minute to show that person how to make it a PDF and email it to you. And um, just... Think about that throughout your life, wherever paper showing up, because uh, as great as it is that you can scan documents in a digitally created PDF is always better than a scanned PDF. The OCR is better and the image quality is better. So that's uh, an advantage to you. And just keep keep an eye out for that. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, digital documents since we're there. Um to create digital documents on your Mac, the easiest way is in the print dialog box in the Mac. We referred to this earlier. It's one of the great things about the, the Mac operating system is anything that can show up to be printed on a physical piece of paper can also be turned into a PDF. So you hit print, you know, the print dialog box or command P, which opens it up. And the lower left corner, there's a PDF button and you click on it there and you can save as PDF or there's even some built-in workflows. We probably won't go into it today, but you can even customize that menu to have some very specific PDF uh, workflows where it saves a specific format or to a specific location. But anything that you can print, you can make into a PDF on your Mac right there. there there's also a PDF services, or I believe it's called the print services folder inside your user's library folder. And a lot of um, apps like Evernote, and I believe Devon think that if you create aliases of those apps and put them in that print services folder, that's how they show up in that menu. You can also put folders in that menu, and that's how you get folders to show up in that menu if you, if you regularly want to save PDFs to specific folders. Pro tip. Yeah, there was a tip I wrote, like, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years ago, and now I've updated it a few times, that some people tell me it's like, the most redeeming thing I've ever done for the internet, which is makes me a little sad actually when I hear that. But the, uh, I had, you know, just because I do PDF so often, I made a little keyboard shortcut because if you look at the menu item in the print dialog box, it says save as PDF. It used to say save as PDF with an ellipses after it, but they took that out now. And so in on the Mac, you can make a keyboard shortcut of any command, even ones that, you know, are in the print dialog box. So, a long time ago, I made this keyboard shortcut, just, and it's called Save as PDF. And the, the keyboard shortcut I made for it was Command-P, which is the exact same uh, keyboard shortcut to open the print dialog box. So if you just hold down the Command key, the Command key, and then press P twice, so Command-P-P, then it opens the print dialog box and then clicks the Save as PDF button for you, in essence, which saves you a bunch of clicking and allows you to make a PDF very quickly. I'll put a link. I made a little screencast on it. I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's just a very simple method I use. But if you create PDFs all the time, it, it saves you uh, quite a bit of time every time you do one. 
There's also, um, in the newer versions of OS X, Apple has given you a couple of other ways to create PDFs. Uh, a lot of times in the file menu, there's now just an export to PDF option. So look for that. Sometimes it's Shift-Command-P is the shortcut to export to PDF. And then sometimes you can also now use the sharing menu to create a PDF. Apple hasn't done a whole lot with that sharing menu. Well, I mean, it's an iOS thing that has kind of bled back into the Mac. And, you know, if there's a sharing button um, in iWork, there's a share menu command. And if you do that, they think got it's the, ex- is it share or is it export? I thought it was exports PDF and iWork. Uh, now I'm going to, I'm almost sure it's, it's a, let me just open something real quick here. So like if you're in pages, yeah, it's called share in the menu bar. There's a share button and that gives you the ability to collaborate or you can send a copy. And if you hit send a copy, then it gives you, you can send a copy via message, email, airdrop notes, et cetera. But once you click that, then it gives you the option to send it as a pages document or a PDF and it'll do the PDF conversion right there. Um, so, I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of ways to do this in Microsoft word. Now they have a dedicated sharing button. I don't know if it's called share or not, but it's in the upper right corner of word and maybe the title, maybe collaborate if memory serves, but once you get in there, it does the same thing. It by default wants you to use Microsoft, um, uh, office 365 sharing features where it shares a document for simultaneous collaboration. But it also has a command that says just send a copy. And then once again, you can send it by mail. It it wants you to send it by Outlook, but you can send it by an email application. And then it creates a PDF or a Word document that will attach to an email that you can send to somebody. So, uh, you know, no matter where you're at, it, all of these developers realize that PDF has become the thing. And they all make it easy for you to share it as a PDF. I will warn you, my experience has been when you use the share as PDF within iWork um, and within the iWork apps, that tends to create pretty large PDFs. I know that there's some compression options that you can choose. Oftentimes, I still just print as a PDF out of these applications if I just need a, a basic PDF for viewing. Yeah, so Apple's just going to assume you want it the highest quality when you send it out because, you know, they want their documents to look nice. On the iPad and iPhone, you can share things as well. Um, the, the, to create a digital document on the iPhone and iPad is not quite as simple as it is on the Mac. I mean, with that print dialog box, there's nothing easier. You know, any any document capable of being printed gets turned into a PDF. But you can do most documents into PDF. Most of them have the options built right in, the iWork apps, for instance, and, and a lot of the productivity apps have the ability to save as PDF. Um, but using the extension with the workflow app, you can create a PDF export that can apply basically anywhere, anything that can use an extension. Um, uh, there's, there's one that people don't realize in the print dialog box. This just came in in the last two or three years forever. Apple really didn't have the save as PDF function built into the, um, iOS, but they added it. And it's interestingly, once again, in the print dialogue, and it doesn't really, this implementation honestly doesn't make that much sense to me, but the, um, uh, so if you've got a document or an email, this is where I use it all the time is with emails. Cause you've got an email, you want to save it as a PDF. Uh, you go ahead and click print. So, you know, it comes up with a preview and a selection box for your printer, 
but then you just go with your thumb and index finger and ex- do the exact opposite of a pinch. You expand it, you know, like you're blowing it up. And when you do that, it opens a new version with a sharing button available. So you can save that as a PDF to a friend or save it as an email or share it to your, um, or, or save it to your cloud storage. And it just occurs to me that there may be people who don't realize that there is a print feature with an Apple Mail. So the the print feature, for those who aren't aware, with an Apple Mail is if you look down on the bottom menu bar with an Apple Mail, the, the button that you press to reply or to forward, there's a third option if you keep looking down there. It's reply, forward, or print. So if you hit that print option, you'll, you'll see any AirPrint enable printers that you might have and a few options there. But then below that, you'll also see a small preview of your email. And like David said, just enlarge that preview by by touching it and zooming out on it or... Or, or stretching your fingers out, and um, it will it will then zoom out and then give you a share button at the top. You can press that that share button, and then it will give you all kinds of of options to to airdrop it, to mail it, to message it. To in my case, I've got Evernote and Dropbox and all kinds of things that I've got in my my share sheet that you can you can do whatever you want with it from there. Yeah, is it like this morning before we started recording, I um I was going through my email on my iPad and I had a vendor invoice from the company that helps me distribute the PDFs for my books and I need to save that. So I was on the iPad, so I did that. I hit print and did the you know, the expansion and save as PDF to my action file. So it can work. Um like I said, I think it's a kind of a wonky implementation and I don't, I'm sure there's a better way to do it, honestly. Um, we're recording this right before WWDC. Maybe that'll get fixed next week, but my guess is it will not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wish Apple uh, Mail would would just have a sharing button inside it anyway. A lot of the, the mail applications, the third-party mail applications does, that's a really good reason to use a third-party app is because they're better at that stuff. I think the underlying problem is sometimes you don't know how do you share an email. You know, when you go to the print dialog box, I think the logic in my head is from Apple's vantage point is okay. They're at the print dialog box, so they want it as a document, a a printed document. So now when they expand it, they say they want it as a digital document. So as opposed to an email, there's different ways to save an email. You can save the text of the email. You can save it as a URL link to the email. You know, there's it's not necessarily uh, clear what the user wants when they go to print just an email. So uh, I, I think I understand where they're coming from, but I still feel like they could do a better job of this. Our next sponsor today is our friends over at the Omni Group, and I'm so happy to share with you the most recent version of OmniFocus. OmniFocus version 3 is now out for iOS. I'm very happy to be using this app. Uh, so I was using it through the beta, and now I'm using it every day. They've added a whole bunch of new features, starting with tags. And uh, tags and OmniFocus is just a great combination. It's chocolate and peanut butter for your tasks. Uh, uh, you know, before OmniFocus used context, but now it can use tags, which gives you a lot more flexibility. For instance, I've got tags I've created now for locations so I can have a task that's both attached to a specific person and a location. And using the notifications uh, techniques they've got in a new version of OmniFocus, I can even have it give me a little alarm when I arrive at a specific location. It's just a really great way to work with your tasks. I'm experimenting with some more like um, energy level and, and things that traditionally just there wasn't room for in OmniFocus, but now there is, and that's great. 
But that's not all. They've added batch editing. So you can sit on your iPad and your iPhone. You can select multiple tasks, give them new defer dates or flag them or mark them as done all at once. They've got this cool new flexible inspector. Um, OmniFocus is a very powerful app, but maybe you don't want to use all of its features. With a new inspector, you can customize it to just have the features you want. For instance, one of the uh, task assignments you can make is how long will it take, which is a great feature if you want to plan your day and say, okay, I've got tasks adding up to eight hours here, so I can't take any more. But I don't use that feature. So I went into the flexible inspector and I basically turned it off. I I hid that feature. So now when I work on OmniFocus, I don't see any data that I'm not going to use. They've added a, a new forecast view that interleaves your appointments to your tasks So if you've got an appointment at 10 o'clock and a task that's due at 12 o'clock, the appointment will show up first. It's just a a much better way to see your day. I had never even thought of that, but once I saw it, I immediately knew that's what I I wanted to use all the time. And they've got uh, other things like enhanced repeating tasks to make it easier to set up a repeating task and get them to work exactly the way you want. Uh, They In the pro version, they've got a way to filter rules and custom perspectives. Uh, using logic like any and all and none, which uh, are going to give you even better perspectives than you've ever had before. And uh, you can even have in the forecast view now, you can have a specific tag. So you can create a tag around like just things you want to do today, and it'll show up automatically there. Uh, basically, the the overall thing I got from this new version of OmniFocus is They've added more power, but they've made it easier to use. It's like, uh, I don't know how they did it, but they thread the needle. So if you want to use OmniFocus, you can go as deep as you want with it or as shallow, and it's still going to serve your function very well. So it's out now. You can go get it. They've got a new version of OmniFocus 3 coming out for the Mac. That's going to be later this summer, but there's no reason not to get it started on iOS right now. Uh, They work together fine. I'm using them. I've been using them for a bunch of time now, and I'm really happy with it. So go ahead and get yourself OmniFocus 3 for your iPad and iPhone today and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. I want to talk a little bit about converting PDFs from other formats because sometimes we get documents in other formats. Perhaps we decide we want to save this document. We want to save it in our long-term storage. And we want that document in a PDF because maybe it's something we're not going to edit, but you know we want to, we want to hang on to it. There are a lot of ways that you can convert things on your Mac from some other format to a PDF. I think one of the most overlooked apps on the Mac for doing these kinds of things is Preview. Preview is kind of a a Swiss Army knife type tool on the Mac. Preview will open a lot of different document types and then does have an option to save it as as a PDF. Yeah, I mean, Preview is a great tool. If you're going to work with PDFs, you should be familiar with it. Um, like as an example, I have um, an elderly client that got a document and she wanted to share it with me uh, as her lawyer to, to look at it. And she didn't have a scanner. She didn't have a fax machine. She just had a document. So I told her, just take a picture and send it to me. And I knew, like, if I told her, go download Scanner Pro and create a workflow, you know, that's that's not going to happen, Katie. So I, uh, I just said, just take a picture with the camera on your phone and, and email it to me. So she was able to do that. And um, once I got a, it was a JPEG picture, I just opened it in preview and then saved it out as PDF and did a little post formatting to get it nice and black and white and easy to read. Um, and that's an example of something you can do with preview. Um, There are other tools that you can use. I think we talked on a previous episode 
about how you can use a tool like Automator or AppleScript to convert things. Uh, Microsoft Word, if you need to batch convert documents, I've used an AppleScript or an Automator action to batch convert a lot of documents into Microsoft Word or from Microsoft Word into um, PDF format. And if you're just doing a one-off, the, the file print version will work. But if you've got a whole folder of Microsoft Word documents that you want to create uh, PDFs of, you know, you don't want to go in one by one and do that. Yeah, I think Automator for the Mac, it, it's, you know, it is the original workflow app, you know, and I'm sure that was an inspiration for the workflow team when they made it for iOS, where it's got the stackable um, components you can put together. But I think Automator, one of its best features is its PDF support. It's got real powerful tools for PDF conversion. And if you've got a bunch of documents, you can snap together a Automator workflow pretty quickly, even if you've got no experience with it. Um, if you'd like help, I covered this in the paperless field guide, and there's a bunch of screencasts in there showing you how to do it. But it's not that hard to put together a quick Automator script that you can run against hundreds or thousands of documents if you want. Uh, you want to you want to get into naming PDFs? Are we going to go there? We might as well, because I don't think you're ever going to admit that you're wrong and I'm right, and I'm never going to admit that you're right. So, might as well let the people decide. But you might admit that you're wrong. I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong. I didn't even going to say that. <laughs> All right. So it's the great dot and dash debate that continues into 2018. Yeah. Okay. So if you've got a PDF. The, the thing is, if you're going to get into this, you should have a common system for naming the files. Yes, that, that we agree with. And you want that across your system. Make it simple and easy. Um, Katie, um, uh, poor Katie. She's just so mistaken. But don't, but, don't even go there. But she, uh, she, she uh, we both, I guess we can agree that we like to put the date in the name. Is that agreed? Yes, we, all, we agree. Okay, now that's not necessarily true. I mean, some people, uh, plenty of people read me saying they don't put the date in the name because why bother? Because the the date is attached to the file create date, so they say that's close enough for them. Uh, because I do stuff that's got legal implications, I like to have the actual date of the document. Like, uh, sometimes I'll scan a document on, you know, in 2018 that was actually a letter that was written in 2014, but it's part of a, a legal case. So I always put the name right, the date right in the name because I the, the scan date doesn't necessarily reflect for me. But if, you, you, if you're not that serious, maybe you could get away with no date. But assume you can have a date. Um, uh, we all, Katie and I also both agree that you should do a year, uh, month date format. So it would be, you know, 2018 hyphen zero six hyphen one four for June 14th, 2018, right? I'm sorry, forget the hyphens, but they would have those dates, right? We agree that it should be year month day format. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, and leading zeros. I think you always want to have leading zeros. So if it's, uh, the June, you would have zero six as opposed to just six, because I think it looks better. And for some uh, file um, sorting, it will cause a problem if you don't have the leading zeros. Where we run into a little problem is I like to put dashes between them and Katie likes to put periods between them. I'll let Katie, you know, go along that way. I will say that the, uh, I think it's the ISO standard is dashes. I noticed that at, at one point. Did you see that? I did not see that now. You know, the governing naming organization that deals with stuff like this, they they put dashes in. I'll just say that, but I don't really care. I, I find dashes easier to read. Katie likes her periods. That's fine. It might just be because you're old and I'm not. I think that could be why. 
Okay. All right. Uh, so either way, you've got the, the leading date in your file name. And then uh, I usually put a dash at the end as well. And then I put some kind of description of the document. And and then I another thing I do is I leave them all lowercase because uh, it just I think it just looks better and it's hard to remember if you start using uppercase where did you use it where did you not use it if you just make a rule to yourself I'm just never going to use uppercase in these file names that's probably the easiest way to do it and we should probably mention to people why do we put the date first I think we said that we did but we didn't really say why why we did because hey we got computers now don't these fancy computers know when these documents were created, why isn't that unnecessary information that, that we're adding to this document? You mentioned that the date is not the same. Sometimes the date that you download the document, sometimes the date that you act, the actual document is actually dated is not the same. But I think the piece that you didn't mention is that it, it helps for sorting purposes as well. Yeah, exactly. If you put in a folder and sort by name, you just get an automatic chronology of documents. But you could do that if the create date was the exact same as the document date. You could sort by create date and get the same function. And keep in mind when you download, uh, and this has bugged me, but it is what it is. If you download typically a, a PDF off the internet, like a statement, credit card company or from your utility company, even if that statement is from January, but you're, you're behind and you didn't download it until May, unfortunately, the create date of that document is usually May, even though that statement date is January. Well, it's always May because the create date is the date the file was created. The date is the, right. It's it's not the date that the PDF was necessarily created. Yeah, exactly. It's the day that you save it to your Mac. And um, so anyway, so I, I like to use lowercase. Um, there are apps out there that allow you to rename multiple files. Um, the um, I didn't realize that Katie put a note in here. It's now built into the Finder. Mass renaming. How does that work, Katie? Okay, so there's an option to map. This was built into the Finder, was it? I want to say it was with Hi Sierra. I think it could have been with Sierra. Do you remember this? They dem- they demoed it on stage. I miss- I totally missed it. Yeah, so what you do is you, you go into the Finder. Uh, you find a selection of files that you want to rename. Um, you open that folder, and you right-click in the contextual menu item, uh, a bar. There's now an option to rename a selection or an individual file. It really only makes sense if you're renaming a, a selection of files. And it's it's kind of based on the automator action to rename files. It's a simplified version, but you can rename it based on criteria. You can, it's very similar to the um, the workflow for renaming files in, uh, in photos, if you've ever renamed a bunch of photos in photos. Um, but yeah, just open up a folder full of files and select them and right click. And in the Finder now, if you're updated, up-to-date, you'll see an option to rename those. I used one years ago called A Better File Rename, and it looks like it's still in development, just with a quick search here. And, and A Better File Rename is much more um, granular in what it can do. It can give you a lot more options. But, for example, I had a bunch of photos from um, a, a, a bar association that I'm involved with, and I was renaming those, and I was sorting them out to, to give a, a flash drive to somebody and 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 this was fine for that purpose. So that instead of having random, you know, file names with things, uh, it, it it was very basic, but it was all I needed. So. And another one I found that I did not try was called Renamer 5, but it looks like it's a pretty powerful Mac-based file renamer. So, so there's stuff out there. Uh, once you get the system in place, one of the advantages I have of having done this for so long is I figured out my file naming 
you know, protocol so many years ago that I don't really have that many files to rename at this point. Everything is, is done right, you know, dashes across the board. Um, iOS apps, I'm not aware of any iOS apps that can do massive file renaming. It's, iOS in general isn't very good at that. Um, I occasionally need to go in to uh, rename files on iOS, like if I'll save something to my action folder and I'm uh, away and I just have my iPad, I can go in there and manually rename them one at a time, but I don't think there's anything really good for that, except that Workflow can rename files, uh, but I'm not sure that would even lend itself to a real good workflow to, to rename massive numbers of files. Uh, let's talk about OCR. Uh, we've been dancing around that one a little bit. OCR stands for optical character recognition. Why is it so useful, Katie? It's useful because once you can see the text in a file, you can then take action on it. So what OCR does is if you've scanned a, a text file or a file that has text in it, basically that's just an image to the computer. It it sees the text just as it would see a regular image. And although um, the uh, the image is is words that the human can read, it's not necessarily words that a computer can read and then act on until something more happens to it. So what OCR does is it goes through what is otherwise an image to a computer looks for words and then translates that into a, a a text layer behind the words so the computer can then act on the text. And once you have that text layer, you can do things like search for the words and you can search for the words within the text. And you can also set up rules in a software like Hazel to then act on words that are found on the text. Yeah, OCR gave me one of my rare Perry Mason moments in my life. You know who Perry Mason is? I do know who Perry Mason is. Okay, yeah. I mean, so not everybody will. He, it was a TV lawyer years ago, and he was famous. Like every time, in every episode, at some point, he would ask some question of the witness that would just unravel the whole case. You know, <laughs> just, which almost never happens, you know, in in real life. But I, uh, because OCR, I can allows you not only to allow automation, but allows you to search those documents. And I was deposing a guy once, and he made mention to something. I'm like, I know I heard that word somewhere before in reading the thousands and thousands of pages in this document. I just can't remember where. So we took a break, and I I searched on my Mac the the phrase, and I had OCR'd everything, and it found like two documents in the you know haystack of documents that had the words on it and I was able to really just nail the guy when we came back from the break because I was able to search through all those documents and that's the power OCR gives you just imagine having you know a filing cabinet with 10,000 documents in it and being able just to type a word in your computer and have it pull out the two documents that have that word in it that's what you get with OCR and it's super useful and the other nice thing about OCR is it, it's a lot easier than it used to be. I mean, when we first started doing OCR, I mean, I was at the beginning of this thing because I was a lawyer. Um, we, you know, we were using that software from the beginning and it would, you would literally watch the computer go through and analyze each word. Like it would flash them on the screen as it was going through to analyze them. And occasionally it would stop because it wouldn't understand a word and have you type it in. You know, it was so, it was so tedious. And the file sizes got really big. And back then, you know, storage was a premium. But now that's not really the case. Computers are super smart. They can grind through this stuff very fast. I didn't mention it earlier, but if you have a scan snap, it does the OCR for you. You just click a box and it does it for you as it imports the document. 
Um, and then it doesn't add relatively that much more space to the file. So I just don't think there's much of a reason in 2018 not to just OCR everything that you have come into your, your PDF system. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it was so fast. I mean, it used to be something that slowed you down. It used to be something that took up space, but th- those, those are, are really non-issues at this point. Uh, this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Fujitsu, makers of the ScanSnap iX500. So we've talked a lot about PDFs and going paperless in this episode, and I can think of no better way to convert your documents to paperless than using the ScanSnap iX500 scanner. In fact, I've got an iX500 on my desk at home and one on my desk at work. The iX500 is the Mac Daddy of paperless document scanners. It is a full duplex scanner, which means it will scan the front and back of your documents at the same time. Has a 50 sheet feed, 50 sheet feeder, which means you can hold even the largest stack of documents. It will connect to your computer by USB or Wi-Fi, and it can scan directly to mobile devices, so you don't even have to use it with your Mac. You can bypass the computer directly. It scans an amazingly fast 25 pages per minute and has an advanced paper feeding system, which will all but eliminate those those nasty misfeeds or double scans. And if you're looking for something a little bit smaller, they've got an entire line of Fujitsu products, including the S3100i that's a little more portable, but just as powerful, and the iX100, which is the ultimate in portability. What really makes the Fujitsu ScanSnap line of products shine, though, is their amazing software. With the Fujitsu ScanSnap software that you can use across any of their scanners will allow you to scan to just about any cloud service, whether you're scanning to Dropbox, to Evernote, to Google Docs, or the Fujitsu cloud. And you can do things like uh, scan directly to your computer, you can scan to a PDF, you can scan to Word or Excel, you can set up different scan profiles for single scans, batch scans, and a whole lot more. And they even come with software to help you organize your scans. You can make this fully customizable to your heart's content. So go crazy, get rid of your filing cabinet, get rid of all of your paper, and adopt the effortless paperless lifestyle today. You can learn more about the full Fujitsu line of products by heading over to budurl.me slash SSMPU. That stands for budurl.me slash SSMPU and learn more about the Fujitsu line of products. Thanks to Fujitsu for their kind support of Mac Power users. So if you want to start uh, doing the OCR on documents that don't have it, there's several tools available to you um, on the Mac. The the first one I would use for that is PDF Pen, um, a, a, a occasional sponsor of the show, but it's a, just a great PDF app that, that does OCR built in, and it's a reasonably priced app. You, know, you can't do it with preview, so you need to get something. Adobe will also do it, but we're going to talk about Adobe and PDF Pen in just a minute anyway. Uh, Abby OCR software is a very good solution. Um, I believe that is the engine that's built into the ScanSnap software if you do it there, but that's a, that's a it's not a PDF app. It's just a OCR software, which a lot of people use. And, um, you know, and quite often, like I said earlier, it, it's built into the scanning software if you have a document scanner. Most document scanners, I would assume, have some sort of OCR built into them. So on the Mac, there's a lot of ways to do it. What about iOS? Um, on iOS, there are a few other ways to do it. I mean, one like we talked about is to you know scan the document in with a with a scanning program like ScanBot um, or or another. Uh, 
Um, PDF Pen uh, Scan Plus is another app that will will let you do it on iOS. That will let you take a document and and scan it in and, and get our let document scan it in, or will let you grab OCR information from a from a document. Um, those are probably the better ways on iOS to to get the OCR information in a document. Yeah, one thing I would mention about that is that they um, those. Those apps, in addition to scanning and performing OCR, they can also OCR an existing document. So occasionally, like I'll be on the iPad and get sent something by a client that needs OCR, I can just open it in one of those applications, and I can um, uh, go ahead and you know do the OCR right there. So it doesn't have to be scanned with the document in order to perform the OCR. Um, Let's let's move over to the topic of managing PDFs. You know, what a what is the software we're using to do work with our PDFs? And I thought the way to cover this, starting with a Mac, is to start with the easiest and least expensive to um, the more expensive and more powerful option. So kind of like we'll we'll do this as a spectrum. Some people are only going to need the the first app, and maybe some people need to get something bigger as we go down the list. Make sense? Sure. So let's start with preview. We've mentioned it. But preview is built into every map. Excuse me, preview is built into every Mac, and it's it's a good app for managing PDFs. It's got the ability to read PDFs and basic annotation tools like highlight, strike out, and annotate. I um I've used it. You know, sometimes an app com- a, a PDF document comes in, and I open it in PDF, and if I just need to do a basic highlight. It's just fine for the job. Do you ever use it for a preview for PDF stuff? Yeah, I will still on occasion have random PDFs that don't work otherwise. And so I will use PDF to, to open those documents. PDF, like I said, is kind of my Swiss Army knife document. If, if other things don't work or if, um, you know, P- preview still still seems to do it. So um, I although I, I use PDF pen as as mine, uh, PDF version uh, application of choice uh, preview is still there and I still use it quite often. Yeah. The problem with preview is a couple of years ago, Apple made underlying changes to the PDF engine in Mac OS and it caused lots of hassle for everybody that was making PDFs for a while. And I feel like preview is the one app that still has troubles. Um, I, there's a specific form I use as part of the law practice with a governmental agency and, if I open it in preview, it always preview renders the fonts wrong. And then it, 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 it just, it's unusable. Uh, if I fill out the form using preview, whereas if I fill out the form using PDF pen, it works fine. And I, that just started in the last couple of years, that particular form problem. And, and I've had a couple other issues like that. So sometimes preview does seem to like smack itself in the face a bit and, if that happens, just be aware. It's probably not you. It's probably preview. Sometimes I think there are some little issues with it. And that's one of the reasons why you want to get maybe something a little more powerful. Uh, a new uh, app on the block for this. And, and frankly, there haven't really been that many good PDF apps for on the Mac for a while. I mean, it's really been down to just preview PDF pen and, and Adobe. But now PDF expert has an app on the Mac. I uh, went ahead and purchased it and spent some time this week using it. I feel like it's a um, it's a step above preview in some ways. It's got like stamps and the ability to import images and do a few things that preview can't do. But it's it's got a while PDF Expert is an excellent app on iOS. I think it's got a long way to go on the Mac still. I I think really the next step up is, and I know I sound like a shill for saying this because they're a sponsor sometimes, but but really it's true is PDF Pin. 
Um, PDF Pin takes the preview features and adds a whole bunch more. Uh, one of the big ones that we've already covered is OCR. You can OCR documents with PDF Pin, which you can't do with preview. And as we talked about, OCR is so key to really making these, these PDF files work for you. They added a new feature in the most recent version where you can bulk OCR. So you can select a whole bunch of documents and OCR them all at once, which is really powerful. Um, you can also go into the document and correct text. You know, so occasionally you get a PDF. I'm doing this for one of the volunteer things I do. The person who made the, the flyer got the time wrong. <laughs> they sent it to me. They're like, okay, we're going to print up like 500 of these. And I'm like, the time is wrong. you know. And uh, so I just went in, rather than be a jerk, I just went in with a PDF pen and I could actually go in and change. It can see the text. You can actually make changes to the physical PDF, which is kind of the equivalent of whiteout and retyping on a piece of paper. But it's a, it's a really powerful feature when something like that happens. Um, and they've got so many additional features. What are some of your favorite features with PDF Pen? So basic annotation is huge. Being able to go in and change something, being able to change a typo, being able to correct things. And that's something I think that they've just, they've updated that and made it a little easier to do in the, the latest version that they've released. Um, I, I, I use the annotation to some degree, although I don't think as much as, as you do, because you use a lot with the Apple Pencil, which which we'll talk about. Um, OCRing documents on the Mac is is huge. That is probably one of the biggest thing that I that I do um, with PDF Pen on the Mac is to OCR documents, either one off documents. Usually, as soon as, in fact, I've got a, a Hazel rule that I think I've talked about quite a bit, where Hazel will watch my downloads folder for a document that is not OCR'd, and then will open that document using PDF Pen, OCR it, and then close the document back so that if a document was not OCR'd within a few seconds of it being in my downloads folder, it will be OCR'd. So then Hazel can take whatever steps that it, it needs to. And that's an Apple script to PDF pen. Correct. Correct. Although the newest version of PDF pen did just add the feature uh, to allow you to bulk OCR um, PDFs. Another thing that, it, that PDF pen does that I use as a lawyer all the time is it's got the redaction tool. Um, you know, sometimes we get documents that have information in them that you can't share and, you know, you can't, like, some people have the mistaken idea, idea that they can just draw a box over something and then the, the data's gone. Then, then you just take your, your, click, your mouse and you click on the box and you just delete it or move it. That actually happened, I think it was in one of the Apple cases, one of the recent big hotly contested litigation cases, the court issued it, a it, document. It, it was a political case, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so the court issued a document where they redacted it. Somebody who worked at the court thought they were redacting by drawing black boxes over stuff, but then the people in the press opened the PDF, deleted the black boxes, and then they had all the information. That's not the way it's supposed to work. So, so redaction in PDF pin is actually redaction. They they write over the data with with either all white or all black text. So, if that's something that is you need, then you've got to upgrade to something like PDF pin. The um, uh, one of my favorite features with the app is the word export. Um, where you can take a PDF document and just export it and it turns it into a Microsoft Word file because um, in my day job, I'm, you know, occasionally tricky lawyers send me a PDF thinking contract review, thinking that, well, if I send it to him as a PDF, he can't redline it. So then I'm less likely to try and make changes to their precious words. Not a problem for me. I just open it up and PDF expert export it as Word and then I send them redlines back and they scratch their heads. 
It also does Excel and PowerPoint, but I almost never use that. Um, so there's just a whole bunch you can do. Web capture is another one. If you've got a website, PDF pin can save the whole website to PDF or um, fillable forms. I mean, honestly, it's just, there, there's some people that are going to be able to get by with preview with the basic tools. But if you need anything more than that, you know, I think this is the app if you're on the Mac. And they've got different versions. Uh, pricing is, is pretty reasonable in comparison to something like Adobe Acrobat. And um, they've got educational discounts and bulk licenses and all that. And um, I, 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 the reason we almost never talk about PDFs is because PDF Pen has been a sponsor, and I don't want people thinking I'm just trying to do a long commercial for them. But I think it's a really good app on the Mac. It, it does the job. It's the only one I use. Uh, I haven't used Adobe Acrobat in a long time. I haven't used it in in years. That's a, that's a lot less ex- expensive, I think, than some of the Adobe products for the Mac, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Adobe has Acrobat Pro. They don't have Acrobat Standard for the Mac. And it's $450 on Amazon today. I just checked. And they've got a, um, it looks like a possible subscription model at $179 a year. And it's got probably all the features of PDF Pen, probably a few more, but I, I don't own it now. So I, I, I can't report on it. I used it as of a couple of years ago and it was very stable and very good. And it did the job. Um, but I just, for the price, at some point, I just decided I was going to stop spending that much money on it. On iOS, you want to talk about iOS? Um, are there any other tools? I mean, I think the other one that we should um, we should probably talk about uh, that that we don't talk about probably as as often as we should is the folks. And I always mispronounce it. Is it is it Riedel or is it is it Riedel? Um, Riedel. Yeah, they make a PDF expert for Mac. Um, yeah, I, I, I know I we said that. I know we mentioned it, but I think one of the things that we didn't mention is a lot of people um, really like PDF Expert for Mac. There's a lot of love for PDF Expert for Mac in the in the Facebook group. Um, a lot of people are turning to that as their as their PDF tool of of, of choice. Yeah, give it a try. Uh, the the problem I found was just a lot of the features I need aren't there yet. I expect that it'll get better over time. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's kind of their foothold on the, um, on the Mac, but they need to really, uh, they need to add features. Let's, uh, let's switch over to the software on iOS because there is really an abundance of riches on iOS in terms of software for, um, annotating, editing, and viewing PDFs, particularly because on the iPad, I think the iPad is such an amazing tool, uh, for using PDFs. No, I totally agree. I mean, where we have limited options on the Mac, there is so many good options on iOS. This this week, I knew we were coming to the show. I downloaded a bunch of ones that I hadn't used for a while, a couple that people were saying they liked that I hadn't tried yet. And I, I just can't get over how good these are. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I annotate, which was one of the first ones I ever used, is still out there and it's still actively developed. And it's still a really good app. And you know, it's like I had moved on past it, but, you know, it's great to see apps like that still out there and still really being useful. Yeah, I, I will tell you the first one that I ever used, um, it, it's been around forever and talk about the Swiss army knife of of utilities for iOS uh, was Goodreader. And I, I think I still keep Goodreader on my iPad, though I don't use it for PDFs anymore, just because there's so many things that Goodreader can do. Yeah. Another couple that I think are really good are PDF Expert um, and PDF Viewer. I think, I can't verify, but I think that they use some of the same engine stuff, 
But like, I really like, for instance, the way PDF Expert does uh, document signatures. You can just click on a line and then you can sign it with your Apple Pencil and it, it inserts it. Um, and and PDF Expert does another, is also does a really good job of allowing you to annotate with Apple Pencil while navigating the document. I mean, they've just got a lot of the little things right. That that's why I think honestly, PDF Expert is going to come a long way on the Mac too. They just they're just getting started. They need to to sort it out and they need to add more features. But um, it's you know I'm glad that they're there and and hopefully they they can bring more of that functionality to the Mac as well. Well, and if memory serves, PDF Expert was iOS first. They've always been and and. IOS app. And uh, again, I think a lot of the Mac power users community kind of bemoan the fact that we don't talk about PD Expert more because it is such a good app for um, PDFs on iOS. Well, we don't, we don't talk about PDFs that much except in relation to sponsor spots. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's probably why, but the, uh, but PDF Expert's a great app. I mean, uh, try it, you know, the, uh, like I said, I, I really like it for the interaction with pencil and uh, na- document navigation. It's, it's really, it's really solid for that. Uh, PDF viewer, I felt like is similar uh, in that way. I, that's the closest to PDF expert that I, that I used in testing for the show. Um, liquid text is a, a, kind of a different type of, of PDF app. It, it allows you to really, um, I think it kind of got its name because it, it really allows you to manipulate PDFs in a, a different way. It allows you to pull information out of PDFs and, and manipulate them. I, I know you were using these a lot in depositions. Is that how you're still using Liquid Text? Or I use it for a document review. Um, so the way Liquid Text, it's, it's a completely different take on PDFs and the it really only works on iPad, and the the way it works is you can pinch documents together. So a lot of times I'll have a document that's like fifteen or twenty pages, and it's got you know multiple clauses that I'm looking at, and I want to compare um, some language and in, in paragraph seven to some language in paragraph fourteen. I can just pinch the document, and the the document will squeeze together uh, in between until I have those two paragraphs right next to each other. Um, you know, the idea of liquid text is just what, you know, the name implies. And it's a completely different way to annotate and review documents. You can pull little pieces out on the side. It's um, it's the most unique of all of the ones we've talked about on the show um, in terms of PDF review and annotation. And I really like it. I use it all the time. I think this is an app that that people should should pay attention to. And I don't think a lot of people even realize it's out there. Um I think it started, I met the developer at um, Macworld or WWDC a few years ago, and it started out as an academic research project about the way people manage digital documents. And it turned into this app that's got this really kind of unique user interface. And the thing about it is we, um, you know, all the documents we've talked about, um, all these apps we talked about, take documents in the traditional format, just as if it was printed out sitting on your desk. Whereas liquid text is the only one that does things that is not possible with a physical document, like shrinking the document down or expanding it. So um, check that one out too, if you do this stuff, because I think it's a lot of, um, it's, it's an interesting approach. And then I think that kind of finally brings us oh, back to PDF pen. It's, it's one we've talked about a lot. Smile is obviously a sponsor of the show. Uh, PDF pen is the one that, that I use. I use it one of the big reasons I use is because I use PDF Pen so much on the Mac and, and everything syncs back and forth, but it's also a great PDF annotator on iOS as well. Yeah. I mean, all of these apps, I mean, that we talked about are 
are going to do a good job for you. Um, so yeah, check it out. If, if you're doing any of this stuff, I feel like it's hard to go wrong on iOS. There's just some really smart developers that have come up with some great solutions. Now you had some uh, specific for music, didn't you? Yeah. And then one app I would add to the list is it's a PDF app, but it's, it's for annotating and playing music and it's called Fourscore, F O R S C O R E. And, um, I, you know, I play my sax all the time. So I've got all my music scanned into it and it allows you to create playlists and, it has like a lot of music specific tools. One of the things it can do is it can pair with a Bluetooth pedal. I don't have that, but if I was like a piano player, it allow you to turn the page just by tapping a pedal with your, a Bluetooth pedal with your foot. Um, and it's a great app if you're if you're a musician. So, but it's it's really a PDF app at its at its basis. I mean, you could do you could use your music on PDF Pen or PDF Expert or any of these apps. Um, but I like using Fourscore for my music. Hey, let's take a minute to talk about our, our last sponsor today, and that's our friends over at 1Password. And did you know that now 1Password 7 for Mac is out? Have you installed it yet, Katie? I installed it during the beta period, David. Yeah, it is great. Um, this is my favorite redesign of the app. Um, they've got this new 1Password Mini that is, you know, they've always had 1Password Mini, but now it's more powerful, it's easier to use, and it's prettier, and it's more accessible for getting to your data They've added a new sidebar that's got this kind of um, interesting dark design that allows you to switch between, you know, categories of secrets and passwords and the actual information itself. Uh, the details for the individual entries is much better. They even came up with their own font. They have created a font to display your passwords on the screen so you never mistake, like, uh, a capital I and the number one, you know, for instance, it's just, they've done, they've gone to all the little problems and details of this application with this version seven, and they've solved so many of them. And in addition, you get all the one password tools that you've always had, but just better. Like it's watching out for you. Uh, they've got the ability with one password seven to keep you safe online using watchtower and watchtower. will look at uh, the services you use and say, Hey, you're using um, XYZ service. Did you know that they had a password compromise and maybe you should change your password now? They've got the ability to run your password database against um, publicly known compromised passwords to see if you've got something that might be a problem. And they do this in a, a secure way that protects your privacy. And they've also added a lot of new features to help you safely and securely share your items. So you get all this together. You get a brand new, beautiful design. You get all the power of 1Password, and all of it comes to you on your Mac with version 7, which is available now. So if you haven't already, go to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps, and you'll get 20% off this beautiful new version of 1Password. I use it every day. You should, too. Protect your passwords. Thanks, 1Password, for sponsoring the Mac Power users. Let's talk a little bit about how the, and this is probably going to be you, because as we know, I do not have an Apple Pencil, but I want to talk a little bit about how the Apple Pencil has changed PDF workflows for you and uh, convince me why I need an Apple Pencil, because I'm right there on the edge. I'm not going to try and convince you on Apple Pencil, because I, I think it's either something you get or you don't. But if you work with digital documents and you would like the ability to have that feeling that you had before of using an actual highlighter or an actual red pen, the Apple Pencil is going to is gonna do it for you, because it, it's great. And 
these apps that we we're talking about earlier, like, you know, PDF expert, PDF pin, I annotate. <laughs> Sorry, I had a point again. So if you're talking about the apps that we were mentioning earlier, like PDF expert, PDF pen, and I annotate, pulling out a pencil is going to allow you to have that feeling. And the digital link works great. Um, highlighting works great. If you've got it OCR, it'll, you can have it snap the highlighting to the actual words, or you can actually just draw with a highlighter on the document. But uh, the thing for me is I find that process much more organic and easier than trying to highlight an annotated document on my Mac screen. Um, and I, since I read so many contracts, I almost always do it on my iPad. And you're using almost exclusively the 12.9-inch iPad for this? No, I can do it with either one, honestly. It, it, it depends. I mean, I, like I use the, the bigger iPad. You know, I have the older, big one, and I use that almost exclusively for sheet music, and I often use it for contract annotation. But if I'm out and I have my smaller one, I can do it on that as well. It's fine. Um, with the bigger screen, it makes it easier to, uh, you know, display the, the text bigger or even have an additional window open. A lot of times on the side, I'll have an additional window open where I'm either typing in thoughts and as I'm annotating for an eventual email to the client, or I'll have a dragon anywhere open so I can just dictate those in. But uh, that's easier with the bigger screen, but I can even do that on the smaller screen as well. But, you know, the point of this show is, is working with PDFs and an Apple Pencil is great. And these apps that we talked about have all done a really good job of making it easy to select and, you know, change the color of the highlighter or change the tool to a strike through tool. They've all done a good job of this. So, you know, if you liked that traditional experience of working with the printed out paper, but would like the benefit of having it on an OCR'd permanent PDF document that's digitally saved and easily copied and shared, you get that now. The Apple Pencil makes annotation really a joy. But but you're not sold. <laughs> oh, you know, I just, I tried it for so long. and uh, I mean, well, I, I would say to try it. I had one for so long. I had one for, I think, over a year and just never really could make myself use it. And that's fine. You know, I think a lot of people are just fine opening up a um, document on their Mac. You know, maybe, you know, you open a document on a 27-inch screen that the words are huge. Maybe that's a reason to do it. Or maybe you're just super comfortable with mouse and keyboard and, you know, holding down the shift key and the arrow keys, you can go through and highlight things faster than you could with a pencil. But because I guess I spent so much of my career um, reviewing documents with a red pen and a highlighter. I mean, that's, I did that for 20 years or something. Um, it's a very easy workflow for me to get back into digitally and the Apple pencil makes it possible. Well, David, we've, we've covered a lot in, in this episode about PDFs and, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about PDFs. It kind of feels like PDFs might be a, a boring subject, but, um, there's a lot here. There's a lot of meat here. Yeah, I, I, it's boring, but it's something that a lot of us do every day. So. It is. It's, you know, it, it kind of, it's back to the basics type, type things that we. You might as well get the best tools for it because it is something you're going to need. And um, I think because of our day jobs, um, we use PDFs a lot, maybe more than most people, but it's, I'm, I'm kind of passionate about it because I want these tools to work for me. Well, if you have more that you want to talk about with PDFs and we haven't covered it all here, uh, we invite you to join in on the conversation on our Facebook group. You can find links to that and how to contact us through our website. That's at relay.fm slash MPU. We do want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Eero, Omni, Fujitsu, and 1Password. And we will talk to you all next time. <laughs>